Flight 229, you're clear for takeoff. Just like a flight plan, you have to know where you're going and how you will get there when you plan for retirement. Let Ryan Fleming help you chart out a course for your retirement with his intimate knowledge of financial planning and the airline industry. It's time for the Pilot's Advisor. Well, welcome back to the show as we're sitting here with Mr. Lee Hyder. And as promised, from a previous recording, we said that we're going to do a show about longevity risk. So what is longevity risk? And what's the truth about longevity risk? So I'm going to read a little bit and we'll discuss it and kind of go back and forth and, and, and talk about some of the, the principles and things that we need to think about with having a uh, investment plan for longevity risk. So living a long time, it's not supposed to be a bad thing, but it almost seems counterintuitive to categorize it as a risk but it is. You can actually live too long and outlive your money. So what we want to do is take a look at how longevity risk plays a role in a financial plan and how you need to have an honest conversation about how to deal with the problem of living too long. You know, it's funny you say that every time my kids come to my beach house, I kind of question if they wonder if I'm living too long because they know they are the heir apparent to this beautiful beach house on the shores of Lake Erie. But um, all joking aside, you know, somebody who is 64 years of age, you know, longevity and uh, life expectancy is certainly something that I address. And I'm sure it's something that your, your clients address, as well as some of the people on this uh, podcast think about from time to time. You need to be sure, you know, as you're building a portfolio, because there really are two stages of life strictly from an investing point of view. You have a period of time when you're accumulating your assets and you're still working. So the amount of volatility that you have in your portfolio should not be something that you should be overly concerned with. And then as you start getting older and eventually retire and need that portfolio to help assist you in paying your reoccurring bills, you need to be very careful that you are allocated properly so that if you find yourself in today's economy, uh, retired, drawing a significant amount out of your portfolio each month, you want to be sure that your portfolio will certainly last as long as you do. So that's a very critical component that you and your financial advisor need to be addressing as you transition into retirement, or if you are in retirement drawing down on your portfolio, you need to be sure that your allocation is properly designed to not only give you the income that you need, but to be sure that you can weather some of the volatility like we're experiencing today, you may have. Well, absolutely. And you know, I actually think that this is the, one, the portion of investing that really intrigues me more. My two certifications, the RICP and CRPC, kind of really focus on the distribution phase. Like most people, when they think about you know, retirement, they think about the whole saving or accumulation phase like you had talked about, where I always say, you, you know, of course, being invested properly, but that's the easy part where the distribution phase is, there's a lot more calculations that go on. And, you know, for most of my clients, we look at a, a 30 year retirement or a 20 year retirement, which, you know, kind of comes down to a family circumstance too, because, you know, if we all knew exactly how long we were going to live, it'd be a lot easier. Absolutely. You know, and I, and I think people make a very dangerous assumption, which is, you know, they retire and they kind of hear you know, and I don't know where they hear it from, but they kind of hear that, hey, when I retire, I, I guess I really need to be much more conservative and even maybe even get out of the market. But you certainly can't get out of the market because part of longevity risk is dealing with inflation. 
You know, if you're going to run to the bank today and put your money in a certificate of depression, as I call a CD, <laughs> you know, you're just not going to really keep up with inflation. So you always need to be in the market. But at the end of the day, you need to be asking how much of what I have in the market should be in equities and how much ultimately should be in some kind of fixed income allocation and be sure that you've got the proper balance. And, you know, when the market, you know, has its periods of volatility, which it will have, you know, this is something not new to you. This is something that you've planned for and you still can maintain the appropriate distribution to maintain your, your necessary cash flow to pay your reoccurring bills. So, you know, I, I do a lot of the academic side and I'm constantly trying to get more knowledge. So I've, you know, take like recent classes on the distribution phase, how people do it. And, you know, one of the things they talk about is always the, the 4% rule, how, you know, if you're, if you're withdrawing about 4% of your investment portfolio value, that's a safe withdrawal rate where a client might need more than that and would be reducing the longevity of their portfolio if they're above and below that. So it's a constant calculation on, on where you are with that number. But studies have shown as the market's changed and there's different asset classes out there that for that 4% rule to work, you actually have to have more exposure to the market than you ever have before, more exposure to equities. You know, not only that though, but you've got to be, you know, very careful that you're just not painting your solution with a wide paintbrush. The 4% rule, you know, is a pretty good concept to at least start the conversation with. And basically what that means for your listeners, the assumption is if you Google, you know, how much to take out of a portfolio, the 4% rule will pop up. And it's basically saying the assumption is if you had a million dollars or whatever you had, you could probably take 4% out per year and be pretty safe that you won't run out of money. Now, one of the things that I would tell your listeners to focus on is there's a couple other variables that nobody talks about. You know, maybe at the where, time- Where are you going to get that 4% and what parts of that portfolio do you pull it out of? Big well, not, question. Yeah, not only that, but there's also lifestyle situations. Maybe at the time of you retiring and you're thinking about this 4% rule, you know, maybe your mother or your father- is, is, is critically ill and you are the heir apparent to a large block of money. You know, may, may, so there's a lot of different things that really go into, you know, being sure that the 4% rule is appropriate for you. You know, quite often people can draw more than 4% in the early phases of retirement because down the road, reality shows us that they're just not going to travel as much. They're not going to be spending as much. So you may be able to get away with more than 4%, certainly in the early parts of retirement and make some adjustment a couple years later. Well, and we've talked about this on previous shows and that, that comes back to the uh, what we talk, talk about with the go-go years versus the no-go years. And you're probably going to be spending more money traveling and doing stuff in your younger retirement years versus later when you're just unable to. And of course, then medical expenses start becoming a, a bigger portion of that retirement portfolio. Well, hey there. We hope you're enjoying listening to The Pilot's Advisor today. Just wanted to take a quick moment from the show to remind you that if you have any questions ever about what Ryan talks about on the program, need any assistance with your financial planning, need some guidance to get to and through retirement, or whatever financial questions might be on your mind, don't ever hesitate to reach out. The simple way to get in touch with Ryan is to pick up the phone and call or text 843-475-3038. Again, that's 843-475-3038. You can also find Ryan online at FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. 
And as always, we put contact information to get in touch with Ryan in the description or the show notes section of the program. So just check it out on whatever app you're using, and it's easy to get in touch with Ryan. All right, now back to the show. And we also have to address the uh, area of jeans. And I'm not talking about something that you buy at Dillard's or Buckle, you know, but maybe, maybe hereditarily, you know, nobody in your family really lasted more than 75 years, sadly enough. You know, so you certainly, if you just kind of, you know, gamble, so to speak, you know, the probability is that for whatever reason, you just don't have longevity in your genes, you probably can get away with spending a little more than 4% in the early years of retirement. Well, it's always fun to kind of tell stories and talk about this stuff. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just so we can talk about different situations. So how, how old is your oldest client? How old is my oldest client? My oldest client is probably about 88 right now. And uh, who is the longest living person, say, in your family, or who's the oldest person you've ever known? My mother passed away about two years ago, and she was 92. Okay, because when you look at a, a, a investment portfolio, you know, let's, let's assume, and people are retiring a little bit later because they have to, um, sure. but let's assume somebody retires between 60 and 65, and you're looking at a 30-year period, you know, if they're living into their late 80s or early 90s, that's past where we've even done our analysis. Absolutely. You know, you really have to plan, and this is going to sound terrible to say, you have to plan for the worst. And in this conversation, so to speak, we're talking about the worst is living a lot longer than you really thought you were going to live. And sadly, maybe you didn't plan for it. So it really is important that, you know, when you're sitting with your advisor and you are now approaching retirement and you're in your mid-60s, that you really, you know, have a conversation based on a 25-year life expectancy because probability shows that if you're at that meeting, both you and your spouse are over six or say 65, you know, one of you is probably going to make it to your 90s. Which is crazy too, because I don't think a lot of people, you know, they, they care more about, hey, let me, I want to live right now. I want this to happen. I want to, I'm going to live for today, which, you know, there's an aspect of that, but there's so many companies out there right now that are investing millions and millions of dollars for like the concept of significantly increasing the lifespan of human beings. So this longevity risk is a, is a real thing. And, you know, living a long time can be considered risky. And I think that's why it's so, so important that, you know, one of the places, you know, you and your clients always want to start with is when you retire, what are your reoccurring bills? Very simple mathematical calculation that sadly most people cannot articulate what that number is. And then more importantly, what is your guaranteed income? What's your pension, if any? What is your social security, if any? What are the sources of your reoccurring income? And determine if there's a shortage, you know, how are you going to construct your portfolio to number one, make up that shortage, but number two, being sure that you're going to keep up with inflation when inflation, you know, comes back. And once again, just like social security, it'd be so easy if we knew exactly when you're going to die, but that's the big unknown. So Lee, how effectively do you think the average person's address their financial challenges that come with longevity? Well, sadly enough, I think um, the average person that comes in my office, and I think they're probably indicative of the average person, you know, you know, in America today, hasn't addressed longevity. I mean, sadly enough, you know, when you talk to people, all they really care about is rate of return and they don't pay enough attention to risk. They have no idea how to measure risk because a good financial advisor can look at a portfolio that you have or a portfolio that he's proposing, and you can actually measure the amount of risk that you're taking. And one of the things I always want to caution clients of is only take the amount of risk that is necessary to achieve the return you're attempting to achieve because you don't want to take needless 
this risk. And quite often clients are taking an, uh, a significantly greater amount of risk than they have to, to achieve the amount of return. And I do know the analysis you tend to run for your clients can actually point these things out for them uh, very readily for them to see. So it's definitely something that we need to talk about. Talk about longevity risk. Of course, everybody is worried about running out of money, but we don't really talk about staying alive for too long past that 20 to 30 year window that we actually analyze. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the academic approach to investing and saving and planning for retirement that Ryan talks about here on the Pilots Advisor? Well, if so, go visit pilotsadvisor.com pilotsadvisor.com. You can watch a quick webinar on the academic approach to investing. It'll show you how not to speculate and gamble with your money. It's all based on Nobel Prize winning research. It only takes about 10 minutes to get through the video and watch it. going to be worth your time, I promise you. Go check it out right now, pilotsadvisor.com. It's a webinar that covers that academic approach to investing, pilotsadvisor.com. All right, back to the show. All right, Lee, uh, how do you feel about rules? Well, I, I think when it comes to uh, rules, there's, there's rules for a lot of things. I mean, you know, there's rules when we uh, drive our car. There's rules when we interact with people. But when it comes to investing, I think there are certain rules that you really better understand and you better pay attention to. And then I think there's certain rules in investing that are just kind of a, there's something to start a conversation with. It wouldn't necessarily be something that I would hang my hat on. Okay, well, you know, to have a little bit more fun on the show today, we're going to do something called, are these rules full of bull or are they legit? And we're going to talk about some of the retirement rules that are out there. So you want to play? Why not? All right. So the first rule that I'm going to come up with is the 10% rule. And the 10% rule I'm talking about here is, you know, for working individuals that if they save 10% of their income for retirement, that they'll be fine. Well, when did they start? When did they not start? How much do they make? These are all questions asked. So the 10% rule, what do you think about that, Lee? I don't think it's nearly enough. I think people make a very simple mistake is they basically save the amount of money, be it their 401ks or IRAs or any other investments they're doing on a reoccurring basis. I think they save to the point that they feel, I can afford this, um, this amount. Well, truthfully, I think retirement planning is about pain. But I think you also get to choose your pain. You can either have a little more pain today as you're putting more in your investments than comfortable, and that's certainly more than 10%. Or if you don't, if you invest today just to your comfort level, then sadly, you may have to live with a very painful retirement. So one of the things I tell my clients is invest until it hurts and then invest just a little more. And that's well above the 10% number. Well, and I think that's great advice because it is going to make that retirement picture a lot easier. Um, I try to get my clients to be aggressive. And I also, you know, tell the story, you know, I always wish people had started, you know, investing earlier. But if you didn't start investing in your 20s, you know, and you're a little bit behind, it's all about building that snowball. The earlier you build that snowball to get 6% off of a large amount is going to give you a lot more, you know, a lot more money over the long term. So you need to get to build that snowball and being aggressive early is definitely a major factor in that. I always used to tell my wife that if we eat beans for the next couple of years, we'll be able to eat steak the rest of our lives. All right. Next Something rule. tells me you probably haven't, haven't had to eat too many beans. <laughs> All right. The next, uh, the next uh, rule, and we kind of hit on this one on a previous show, but the 4% rule, what is the 4% rule relief? 
you know, the 4% rule is something that, you know, most people have heard but don't really understand. The concept's pretty simple, but it is a pretty old rule. Um, the concept is that you can ultimately take 4% out of your portfolio per year, and you should be able to make that portfolio last the rest of your life taking out that 4%. So if you're a fortunate listener and you have a million dollars, the 4% rule basically is telling you you can take about $40,000 a year from that million dollar portfolio, and there's a great probability that you will not run out of money. Now, again, I tend to believe you know, most people can take a little more than 4% out per year, especially in the early years of retirement, because that's when people tend to do most of their traveling and most of their kind of, uh, let's say, exorbitant spending. As they get a little older, somebody tends to get, you know, maybe sick. Somebody tends to get a little cranky in their old age and they don't like the TSA line, so they're not traveling as much. Are you, are you, are you explaining yourself? Wow. Old, cranky. I, yeah, I, you, know, you know, considering I didn't get a birthday card on uh, March 11th, but by the way, that's my birthday for all your listeners. If you want to be sending me gifts or cards, Ryan can certainly uh, let you know my address. But yeah, you know what? The truth is, yeah. I mean, I'm 64 and I think I'm a pretty good example of it. You know, today I have a little less patience for things than I used to when I was a little younger and I do things a little slower. And I, I think uh, yeah, I'm a little more cautious. So I think most people tend to spend a little more money in the early years to retirement. So I think you can spend more than that 4% rule. But I think as you get older, you'll find yourself probably spending maybe less. Well, and a, th a couple of things I gathered from what you said. Number one, for the record, I did call Lee on his birthday and wish him a happy birthday. Two, yes, he is a little older, but he still travels. He's very social, not afraid of airports. And the other thing I got out of what you said was if you had a million dollars saved, that would spit out about $40,000 per year. And what I hear out of that is people have no clue how much they truly have to save to have a retirement that does not cause them stress. And, and worse and worse yeah, is that you and I throw around this million dollars, but most people have started late or they started investing. Something happened in the market. They stopped investing. Sadly enough, most people don't have anywhere near a million dollars. So most people are not going to be able to draw you know, $40,000 safely out of their retirement portfolio. And, and let alone even fathom thinking about living off $40,000 a year. Absolutely. All right. This is another one I don't use very often, but it kind of the numbers could work out. And this is the 25 times rule. And what it means is that you, if you multiplied your annual income by 25 to determine how much you need to retire. And people are always talking about what's their number. So in this example, if you made $100,000 per year, then you'd need to save $2.5 million for retirement. What do you think about that, Rolly? Jeez, makes me feel like I need a new calculator. But uh, no, I mean, you know, again, so many of these rules are just are just a good starting point for the conversation. I think people get in trouble when they build their portfolio based upon I've got to take out that 4% when I retire or I've got to have 25 times my, my current income. You know, I think those are good starting points for conversation. You know, you know, there's certain people it's based on your lifestyle. I mean, people come in my office quite often today and they are living well above their means you know, even while they're working. And I can clearly see that they're going to be in trouble when they retire. And I would not want to accept them as a client because they're going to get in trouble. And I don't want my name on their statement, you know, when they run out of money. Then there's other people, I was going to say, then there's other people that walk in my office. And I mean, you know, they've got so much money put away and they have a very modest income, but they're a very, very good saver. So I think the 25, you know, rule is, is a good place to start, which just basically is, I think, almost designed to scare people that you don't have enough money. And hopefully that spurs them into maybe saving a little bit more than possibly necessary. 
What are the percentages you think of those people that you're in front of that are, are living way beyond their means versus those that are, are very aggressively saving and, and, and living below their means? You know what? I, you know, one of the things that always surprises me, but I guess it really doesn't anymore, is how many people walk in my office with a, a beautiful car in my parking lot. They tell me about you know, where they live and I know the zip code. I know it's a beautiful neighborhood. You know, but then when we get to what their reoccurring bills are, um, you can see them getting very uncomfortable as they tell me they've got thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars in credit card bills. So you know, I see a surprisingly uh, large group of people that walk in my office with with very good jobs, very strong portfolios, but really having no sense of how in trouble they really are because of their debt service. Debt is something that can destroy a company, and it can certainly destroy a retirement. And sadly, I see see more of that than I see those that are being very responsible, fiscally responsible, aggressive with their saving. I, I see people that have debt, that haven't saved enough, that are what, well behind where they need to be. And a lot of it is just straight discipline. All right, one more, one more rule. And this one's kind of uh, very close to the 25 times rule. And we'll end the show with this, the 80% rule. And what that says is you'll need 80% of your income right now in retirement. You know, one thing I will tell you is I think you need, for many people, I think you actually need more income in retirement than you needed when you were living, you know, and working. Because if you think about it, you know, most people today, if you have a job, you have a career, you get up at seven o'clock in the morning and you go to work, maybe you go out to lunch one or two days a week, maybe your, your spouse packs you a lunch for those other days, and then you may not get home till seven, eight o'clock and, you know, hey, we're all tired. You just don't have a lot of opportunity really to go out and spend money until the weekend comes about. And sadly, many people even work on a weekend. So during your working years, you really don't have it in that much time to be spending a lot of money. But something interesting happens when you retire. Every day's a weekend. Every day's a Saturday, which means, you know, maybe you waited for Saturday to golf. Well, now every day is potentially a golf day. Every day is potentially an opportunity for, for you to go out to lunch or breakfast with some of your friends. So I actually think for the average person, you may be surprised that it may take as much, if not more, to maintain the lifestyle that you want in retirement than it actually took you uh, to maintain the lifestyle when you were working. Well, once again, it's a good starting point, And then there's a lot more that goes into that. And we appreciate your perspective on the whole rules, whether they're uh, legit or whether they're full of bull. And of course, Lee, I appreciate you being on the show today. And uh, once again, if any of the listeners out there would like a uh, portfolio MRI, would like us to analyze your portfolio and or would like to uh, give us a suggestion on our future show, uh, please reach out to us and Walter will uh, give you all the information. Thank you guys very much. Have a good one. You've been listening to The Pilot's Advisor, featuring Ryan Fleming, a financial advisor at Fleming Financial Group, serving clients worldwide, but based out of Charleston, South Carolina. If you have any questions for Ryan on what we've talked about on today's show, maybe a future topic idea, or want to talk more about getting a complimentary review of your financial plan, here's the best ways to get in touch. You can go online to the website, FlemingFG.com. That's FlemingFG.com. You can also email Ryan. It's simply Ryan at FlemingFG.com. Or you can call or text to get in touch. 843-475-3038 is the number. That's 843-475-3038. Thanks for listening to The Pilot's Advisor. And don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, 
and many more locations. So whatever app you like to use, search for the Pilots Advisor Podcast today and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.